So great. It's really good. If you're in a Jewish synagogue, part of the order of service is that the elders of the synagogue will go up to the tabernacle where is kept the Torah, the divine word of God. And uh, it will be placed in a shroud of uh, embroidery, often with uh, gold uh, handles on the scroll. And the, uh, the elders will lead the scroll out and they'll have a procession around the church. And all the Orthodox Jews will reach out to either touch the word or to kiss the word. They'll kiss their hand and then kiss the scroll as the scroll gets taken around. And sometimes it's almost like a party and it's like a, you know, a, a line of people start dancing and following around, chasing the word of God. And finally the word of God then gets taken up behind what we would call sort of like the pulpit area and they pray over it and then they lift up the scroll like this and they just hold up the scroll. And that is the moment of every Orthodox Jew where they feel Jewish. This is the moment when they say, we are people of the word. We are people of the book. We are defined and this is what makes us, us. Well, today we are still people of the book. So, Father, we do pray that as we just spend this short time together, that, Lord, you'd deduct Mike's words and you'd add your words to change lives for now and eternity, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So, this is uh, week two of a series on that challenging and interesting book, in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. It's the book of the experimental journal chronicling the search for the meaning of life by one of the wisest men in the world. The wisdom of Solomon is literally proverbial. And his message is this, slightly different from last week, but here's the message. Life is short. Fill it with God. Life is very short. It's an amazing thing that the older you get, the more you realize that life is short. You know, when you're a young person, you're always wanting to be a little bit older. You know, nine-year-olds want to say that they're 10-year-olds, and 10-year-olds want to say they're teenagers, and teenagers want to say they're adults, and adults want to get married and all this stuff. And then when you get to our age, we tend to think, well, I'm just in my autumn years. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting where those uh, laughters came from, too. <clears throat> so the Bible gives us an amazing example of the wisdom of Solomon in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3, where two mothers fight over one baby. It's a sad story. It's a tragedy where both mothers have given birth to a baby at approximately the same time, and one of the babies has died. The grieving mother steals the baby from the other mother. And now both go to King Solomon to resolve the dispute. The two mothers are claiming the one baby. What will the wise men do? Solomon's decision, of course, is proverbial. And his decision is, bring me a sword and cut the baby in two. You can have half and you can have half. That's fair, isn't it? But the birth mother cries out, please, no, please give my baby to the other mother. And the grieving mother seems content with the decision. So Solomon is thus able to discern the true mother was the one prepared to surrender up the child to the other. 
What amazing, brilliant wisdom. And this is the man that was called the wisest man in the world, and he spent billions of dollars, thousands of hours, exploring everything under the sun. Everything under the sun. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And we would be wise to be open to his observations. Amen? And he concluded that life is futile, fleeting, and frustrating. Based on this fact, he encourages us to fear God and to enjoy life. Religious people still seem to struggle with it's two things that we've got to do in life. One is stir God into your decisions and into your choices and into your values. It's good to have a God perspective, but the other thing you've got to do is have a good time. Thank you, Francis. Everybody else doesn't want a good time, so let's shut the doors, turn down the air conditioners, and I will make you suffer. (laughs) Oh, David. So here we are. We're to fear God and enjoy life. The Jewish toast is lachaim, to life, to life, to life. Celebrate life. I think there's great wisdom to be had in the wisdom of Solomon and some of his observations, but I think that same wisdom can be found in a graveyard. That same wisdom can be found at every funeral service. That life is precious. That life is short. And we should do our absolute best to enjoy life. Enjoy God and enjoy life. Now, of course, enjoying life does need boundaries around it. Because some people think that one glass of alcohol is a little bit of fun. Two glasses of alcohol is a little bit more fun. Four glasses of alcohol is a lot more fun. And five glasses of alcohol gets you beat up and put in jail and lose your car. (laughs) We've got to work out where is pleasure really to be held and what the Bible teaches us that we need to put a boundary on pleasure. Because if we make pleasure the goal, it will hurt us. We weren't designed simply to be pleasure seekers. We were designed to be God seekers. And then have a party on the side. Here's my better half. Have I done something wrong? I'm dropping out. Little aerial thing. Talk to your neighbor and say, Futile. Okay. So here's a good example of the world's futility from an unknown author. This is what he wrote. My journey through darkness has only accelerated. I have become skilled at inventing counterfeit lights, bright-colored flashing lights, Prosciutto rainbows, artificial sunsets, celluloid stars. More recently, I've discovered that God is dead anyway. I'm simply a product of organic evolution, a cosmic accident, a unique but not special moment in a mysterious five billion year process. It is an adventure filled with suspense and cruelty and meaninglessness. 
And though I do not know what's ahead, never fear, I'm on my way. Even today, after reading the morning news and the latest issue of Time magazine, and even though I acknowledge the countless gallons of human tears and the endless cycle of agonizing tragedy, I, along with the world's majority, maintain that Adam made the right decision. And even as I swallow my tranquilizers and rush to my psychiatrist and take the extra drink, and endure my third divorce, and watch my children reject all my values, I still say there's hope. But then again, it's probably just a sick joke. And who cares? Or on the words of a suicide note found in the hand of a successful businessman married with children who seemed to have everything going for him, but who gassed himself to death in his own car in his garage, his suicide note simply read, There must be more to life than this. There must be more to life than this. Here's a nice little poem. It's a bit of poetry that comes off um, uh, the internet, of course, as help. I walked through the wildwood, and what did I see? A unicorn with his horn stuck in a tree, crying, Someone please help me before it's too late. I hollered, I'll free you. But he hollered back, Wait, how much will it hurt? How long will it take? How hard will you pull? How much must I pay? Must you do it right now? Or is Wednesday okay? Have you graduated from Horn Saving School? Will I owe you a favor? And what will it be? Do you promise not to damage the tree? Should I close my eyes? Should I sit down and stand? Do you have insurance? Have you washed your hands? And after you free me, tell me what then? Can you guarantee I won't get stuck again? Tell me when, tell me how, tell me where, tell me why. Maybe I'll just sit here and continue to cry. And I guess the unicorn is still sitting there. And so many people have just sat down and given up on the real life. They've lost their joy. They've lost their faith. They've given up the gift and the calling, the purposes of God in their life. And yes, some are still going to church. But they're missing what God has called us to. Jesus said it's the thief who comes to kill, to maim and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you church in abundance. Oh, sorry. I thought that's what it said. Jesus said, I've come to give you guilt and abundance. No, he said, I've come to give you life, life in abundance. I'm bad about that. So Solomon tells us that life is short. So fill it up with God. Learn how to have a good party with God and people. Learn from Solomon, who according to Kings chapter 10, verses 23 to 24, was the wealthiest and the wisest kings of all the earth. And kings from all over the earth would come to seek out the wisdom that God had put in his heart. But Solomon had bad things in his past. There was so much violence and destruction in Solomon's past that in many vehicles, uh, many circles today, he would still be called a victim. 
You know, he came from what's known as a dysfunctional family. Some people have grown up in dysfunctional families for so long, all they see is the fun dysfunctional. No, it's broken. Solomon had come from the union of David and Bathsheba. It's the tragedy of an adulterous affair and murder preceded his life. It's his origins. His brother died as a result of the judgment that God had brought upon David. But God did not give up on Solomon because of his past, because of his family, because of his history. And can I say that to you today? God has not given up on you. Some of the best families, some of the wealthiest families have the biggest dysfunctions. Just don't think it's poor families that suffer. I've counseled enough millionaires over the, over the years to know the drugs, the issues that face them. Uh, Karen is the, what are you, the CEO of the Family Business Association or something or other? Manager, state manager. She's constantly dealing with people of high influence, high wealth, net worth individuals. And she will tell you, many of them struggle with high levels of pain in their life. Friends, just don't go to church and suffer. Go to church and find God and let God come in and make it new. Make it different. All you need is a moment of instant surrender and say to God, I give up. What I'm doing right now is not working and I give up and I say, God, help me. Come. Life is short, fill it with God. Let your hand take the hand of forgiveness. Learn how to receive forgiveness and build on forgiveness and live in forgiveness and take the grace of our God that's amazing grace and reach for his promises that are yes and true and amen for those in Christ Jesus and let the blessings of God come into your life and hold on. Or your faith. Solomon in his vast wisdom gives us insight concerning human effort or work. When we build without God, we will only find futility and pain. And to summarize the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm not going to drill down into each of these verses. I could have read them out to you. It would have been a lot of text. But essentially... The philosopher looks out, and this is one of the experimentations that he does. He looks out and he says, I have seen all the works. I've seen them. And then the next phase of his life of experimentation is, I have made me great works. Yeah, he did. The Temple of Solomon was an amazing, would have been called one of the um, ancient wonders of the, midi- of the middle world. However, his own palace was double the size of the temple. That might have been a little bit of a sign that things were going off track a little bit. But it was gold. He had 70,000 personal laborers. The stables, he had tens of thousands of horses, an incredible luxury. He says, I have made me great works. Then he goes on to say, I rejoiced in my works. And then he found out something that we all discover eventually is that what brings you pleasure out of possessions is fleeting and it's futile and it flickers. I've got my new Samsung. This is the cutest phone you've ever seen. One day I'll learn how to drive it. <laughs> and I'm happy for about half an hour. I'm happy for an hour. I'm happy for two hours. I've got my brand new plasma. 
Do you remember the time you got, or you got your brand new car, the first time you got your new car, and you're out there and you're polishing it and you're playing with all the knobs and you're showing everybody your new car. Six months later, it's full of litter from McDonald's, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it smells like a bad McDonald's kitchen, you know, at the back where they throw the stuff. That's what life does. I just want bigger and better. But here's Solomon. He's built the biggest and the best in the known world. He rejoiced, but it wasn't for long. And then he's asking, what next? And so his conclusion is that I will place all my works into the hand of God. That somehow will make my life's investment worthwhile. About 36 years ago, I married the girl of my choice, Monique. She is the cutest thing on two legs. I'm sorry, guys. I got the one. And as we got married, it became very important for me that I had a word from God. When you make big decisions, I find it really important that you ask Jesus about it. Sorry, maybe I'm a pastor, but it works for me. So the really biggies. So um, I needed a word. I asked Monique to go get a word as well. And so she went away and uh, she got a word straight away. <laughs> I struggled. <laughs> That's right. Go up the next slide. So, yeah, the cute one's on the right. <laughs> so we were very young. Very young, very slim, and I wanted a word. And I sought God, and I find personally, when I want something really bad, it gets hard to hear the voice of God, because I'm pretty invested in it. I really want to hear that. So I took time to get this, and I got my word from Ecclesiastes. Would you like to hear it? Okay. This is the word. I, when I read it to Monique, she was very disappointed. <laughs> You'll probably get it too. So, 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 yeah. So, this is the word. I'm going to read, it's actually from Ecclesiastes 9. I'm just going to put the verses in a slightly different order, only to help with clarity and time. If I had 15 minutes, I could do all the exegesis on it. We could get you there anyway. But if I just rearrange the order a little bit, you'll get it, okay? Is that all right? Ecclesiastes 9.11 says this. I have observed something under the sun. This is the word of Solomon. I've looked out under the sun. Have a look. This is something I observed. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. Isn't that amazing? And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. Wow. The wise sometimes go hungry. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. All is decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. Now, we don't have to agree with his conclusion because the Bible talks about these matters in other places. But this is his observation under the sun. Take God out of the picture. It's blind chance. It's luck. It's toss the coin. Some people win lotto. Some people just buy the tickets. This is his observation. And so out of that, he says, people can never predict when hard times come. 
Like fish in a net, birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. So here's another bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I watch the way that the world works. This is a conclusion. So go ahead. Eat your food with joy. Is any foodies here today? Does anybody like a really good meal? Eat your food with joy and drink your drink with a happy heart. For God approves of this. Isn't that nice to know? When you sit down for a good meal and you enjoy it, there's good conversation and good company, God's not there going, Oh dear, you should be out preaching the gospel. (laughs) You wretched sinners, you, you should be in the prayer meeting. God is actually saying, I like this. I like the fact that they're enjoying life. And then he says this, go, eat your, eat your food, drink your drink, wear fine clothes with a splash of, splash of cologne. So that's for the boys, you see. You do actually have to put on deodorant, okay? You want to catch a girl, smell nice. <laughs> and this is the verse that God gave me. It says, live happily with the woman that you love through all the meaninglessness days of your life that God has given you under the sun. The wife that God gives you is your reward for all your earthly work. (laughs) Whatever you do, Mike, do it well. For when you go to the grave, there is no work, planning, knowledge or wisdom. Now, my wife didn't find that a particularly happy verse. (laughs) However, 36 years later, it was so good. Because, you know, I'm a bit of, my name is Mike Keating and I'm a perfectionist. I've been recovering from perfectionism for about all my life. My name is Mike Keating. I suffer from bipolar. I I have a lot of issues. And in all this, I have come to learn that my portion on this earth is a wife who will love me, stand by me. And I've had to learn how to get into that sphere of enjoying that rather than making another phone call, building another, buying the boat, chasing after all the things of the world. There's a lot of wisdom in learning how to live life with the people around you. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, the rest is worthless. It is absolutely worthless. I think Pastor Leonard was saying to me the other day, he's building probably the largest construction project in Perth right now. Millions of dollars. I said, well, you know, it must be pretty good, Leonard. He said, it's all going to burn. It's all going to (laughs) burn. How much is it worth? Well, you know, in human terms, cha-ching, 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 you know, lots and lots of money, but it will all burn. So there's great wisdom in embracing the fact that some things last forever. Gary's going to last forever. <laughs> we get to spend eternity with Gary. <laughs> so we all learn how to enjoy Gary and to enjoy Andrew and to enjoy Michael and enjoy each other rather than the scrapping of the the. the 
crab that's just trying to get up a bit higher than other crabs and everybody just pulling everybody down and snap. So here are the faith facts. Only God makes sense of a senseless world. All of life is to show us that there's more to life than this life. You were made for somewhere else. You were built by God, not for this. Earth is not your destiny. You were made for paradise. You were destined for a place called heaven. You were built for a place where there is no no sin, no suffering, no sickness, only joy forevermore. So in conclusion, everything that we have today is a result of our hard work. But happiness and peace and the stuff that really matters do not come through our hands. Human effort is not enough. If you believe that, just try by your own willpower to wish things away. It does not work. True happiness is determined by what you've placed in the hands of God and what you've done to make life better for others. Life is short. Fill it with God and enjoy life. Amen? Sounds good? Some of you might want to try it. (laughs) Very good. Fantastic. We'll get the band up and uh, we're going to sing that great song. We're just going to pray with you then dismiss you for tithes and offerings. We'll pray for tithes and offerings. We do appreciate those who give regularly. And as a church, we, we tend not to try and make a big deal out of the giving. We just want to trust our regulars here to uh, just follow through on what they believe God's put in their heart. So, But it is a part of our life. And tithes and offerings is our life in disposable form. There is uh, the story told of um, a young boy who was a street urchin. He was a homeless kid and he walked into a church and there was an offering taken up and he had nothing to give. They had these big buckets being handed around. He had nothing to give. But he really felt he wanted to give something to God. So he walked out to the front, just like we had buckets here, but he had nothing to give. So he put the bucket on the floor and he stepped inside of it. It's really nice, isn't it? Really nice. You know, when we put, you know, that $50, that $100, whatever it might be, when we put that in the offering, we are actually giving of our life. We're giving a part of our life, our energy, back to God that he might use it to build his kingdom. So, Father, we thank you for the gift and the givers. Pray that you bless both for the extension and growth of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So, just before we go, the first step to reorientating your life so that it really works, is to understand that you were built by God. You are body, you are soul, and you are spirit. Your physical body is here today as a result of the fact that your parents gave birth to you some years ago. But our body one day will actually stop functioning. And, uh, you know, if I was to... Why should it be not... Why should it be uncomfortable to you? I would love to die preaching. wouldn't be very nice for you, but for me, I'd love to die preaching. And, you know, don't be sorry for me. Just, I'll just give you a little wave as I go up, okay? <laughs> you can wave back to me. 
yeah, that'd be really nice. But, you know, if, if I was to die right now, there's actually nothing different biology on a material level. There's nothing different. Just it's not working anymore. The, the, the breath's not happening. The heart's not happening. It's the same heart. It's the same molecules. It's the same veins. It's the same bone. But all of a sudden, life has left the body. So what's you is the life part in you. It's not your body. Your body just holds the life in you. And the great news of Jesus Christ is that he wants that life. He, he actually made it, actually shaped the life in you. You are individually and specifically created by God. Psalm 139 says that you were fearfully and wonderfully knitted together in your mother's womb, that he knows your very form, he knows your innermost thoughts, that no matter where you go, God is still after your heart. He still wants to... to, But what actually has to happen is that this life has been separated from the life of God through our selfishness and our failure. But Jesus has come to us and offered us the way to let this life in us be reconnected back to the life of God. Does that make sense? The Bible calls it being born again. You know, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you have that spirit come within you and make your life. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, if you've never in a public event somewhere or something like this, if you've never invited him to come in and renew you on the inside so that you know that you know that you know that God is your friend, your father, then I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So could you just bow your head, sir? You know, we just want to have a moment of privacy. and Maybe the saints, if you could just pray. And uh, I just want to give you that opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the most important decision that you'll make for your life and for your eternity. And we're not asking you to join a church. We're not asking you to embarrass you in any shape or form. I'm not going to call you out to the front. I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So if that's you today, why don't you think about it? You might feel a stirring on the inside of you. Your heart might be beating a bit. You may be feeling quite unusual. That could be the Holy Spirit talking to you and calling to you that this is a time for you to give your life to Him. If that's you today, I should do something really brave where you sit right now. You just stick your hand straight up in the air and after I've said it, just put it down and uh, we will then pray for you. Is there one here this morning? Pastor, can you pray for me? Pray for me. Praise God. bless you. I see a hand over here. God bless you. Young man's placed his hand up. Thank you for that. Is there someone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray. Can you help me pray together, family? Dear Father, I come to you now and I admit my sins that I've lived selfishly and I ask that you would rescue me that you take away the bad stuff and pour your good stuff into me your life and your peace 
and I will become a child of God. I receive you into my life now by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's put our hands together. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. Well, I've got 10,001 reasons to sing now. So uh, we'd, we'd love to help you later with a little Bible and stuff. So come see me or one of my leaders. Uh, Ravi will help you perhaps uh, afterwards. So thanks for that. Praise God. Um, if, there's a, if there's a level where this has really challenged you, I ought to put some things really right in my life. God has called me to live at a level where I can enjoy life and I'm not living with constant pain, constant failure, then uh, please don't leave today without coming out and seeing me and get some help moving forward. God doesn't want us to live forever broken. He wants us healed. And somewhere we've just got to say, uh, today's the day. I surrender to your healing processes in my life in the name of Jesus. And, of course, my wife would appreciate your prayers after seeing that photo. (laughs) Let's sing. Let's stand, shall we, and sing this great anthem.